You're listening to Rambling with Ryu, hosted by Bean, the co-founder of Ryu Paralysis Recovery Center living with a T10 spinal cord injury, and Nancy, a professional kinesiologist specializing in pediatric and adult neurorehabilitation. Welcome to our activity-based therapy series, where we talk to leading clinicians, researchers, and those with lived experience as we explore the realm of neurorecovery. On this podcast, we educate on the lesser-known topics and give practical tips and tricks to help elevate your practice. Today, we're talking to one of our friends who is on Episode 7 of Parenting with a Spinal Cord Injury, Brittany Nunzig, and today she's going to be talking about nutrition. She is very well-versed in nutrition and all things with spinal cord injury, so we're really excited to dive deep into the topic. This will be Episode 1 of 4 with Brittany regarding nutrition. So yeah, welcome, Brittany. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for being with us. So yeah, do you want to just give a little bit of a background story about you and how you got on your uh, journey of nutrition? Yeah, sure. So just a little background about my injury. I was hurt when I was 13. I'm 35 now, so I've been in a wheelchair for almost 22 years. And most of those years, I, I didn't know anything about nutrition. I grew up sort of eating just regular old, you know, standard American diet. My parents were busy. So we ate a lot of like craft dinner. We did have like vegetables and stuff in the house, but I wasn't like really keen on vegetables, nothing super healthy. I just, I loved crackers, chips. I was like a carbaholic and I didn't really know, like, I didn't even know what a carbohydrate was or a protein was. Like I didn't know anything about nutrition, even though I went to school when I went to university, i majored in like biology and chemistry. So that seems kind of weird that I wouldn't know anything about that stuff, but I just never really paid attention to nutritional sciences. And I was really addicted to like sugar and junky food that way. I could easily eat like three chocolate bars in a row and I didn't even think anything about it. Luckily, I never really had a weight issue, which was sort of a blessing, I think. But I got interested in my nutrition and wanted to make my nutrition better when my aunt died of cancer. So that was after I had had my son. I was an adult by then. And yeah, my aunt died really fast of cancer. And I didn't get into nutrition out of like, you know, I want to make my health better. It was I'm terrified of getting cancer. It was that kind of a thing. And so I read everything I could about cancer, about how to prevent cancer, about how cancer starts, all that kind of stuff. And so I started eating really out of fear of getting cancer because I didn't want to die. I have like major, I guess not major hypochondriac issues, but like I have like sort of compulsive thoughts around health. And if I get going down a trail of, oh, I might get this, then my brain just like goes totally into I'm going to die tomorrow. And so that's what it was like after my aunt died. And so, yeah, I, I just didn't want, didn't want to die from cancer. And so I started trying to think of how I could prevent it. And most of everything I read said I had to like up my vegetables, which I hated. I was that person that was like, nah, I don't need the salad. Like I would eat the potatoes maybe, but I just really didn't like green vegetables. I didn't, you know, unless they were slathered in butter or something. And so I started with really simple with like, I'm going to try and get the recommended amount of vegetables like on the Canada food guide, that was like how limited my knowledge was. I was just like, oh, I'm going to go to the Canada food guide and see what it says. And I think back then it said five servings of fruits and vegetables. So that was my goal for the day is to try and get that. And that's like how simple it was. And then a few years later, my brother got Crohn's disease 
If anybody's not familiar with Crohn's disease, it's inflammatory bowel disease where your bowel, it's, it gets inflamed for whatever reason. Um, they're not entirely sure, but then it's a, it makes you really sick. And so my brother got super, super sick. He couldn't eat anything. He was like bleeding, had diarrhea like so many times a day. And it was really scary for me to watch somebody that was extremely healthy and like worked out. Like he went to the gym and I thought he ate pretty healthy, have this debilitating disease. And then he went on a medication that was supposed to stop the inflammation. And then that medication, really, really rare side effect of it, it attacked his heart. And then he almost died from that. And so I wanted him to not be on medication. And once I kind of looked up all the side effects of it, it was really scary. Like most boys, especially with this one medication that he was on, have like a 60% chance of getting lymphoma, which is a type of cancer in their lifetime if they're on this medication. And I was like, that's really scary. So that really scared me. And then I started researching just how to make him healthy. And I found a diet called the specific carbohydrate diet. And he used it to cure his Crohn's disease. So he went on it really diligently for two years. And now his doctors can't really find any evidence of the Crohn's disease. And so after that whole thing, I was like, wow, there really is a lot we can do with our health with just the things we put in our mouth. And I couldn't believe because his doctors, I used to go to doctor's appointments with him and they said, this will, it's not curable. It's not a curable disease. And so when he did cure himself and they were like, wow, like I, you're pretty much cured. Like, unless you have a flare again, there's nothing that we can find. I was just amazed. I was amazed that he could do that with just what he was putting in his mouth. So then I really got interested in nutrition. And I was like, if he can fix inflammatory bowel disease, I'm pretty sure that I can fix constipation because as anybody in a wheelchair knows, our gut motility slows down after a spinal cord injury. And we often have time, have issues with constipation. Some people have issues with diarrhea, other things, but just bowel issues in general, keeping our bowels healthy and regular is a major issue. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could affect my own health with the nutrition that I put in my mouth. So that was the very long backstory of how I got really interested in nutrition. And then once I started researching sort of more about bowel health, then I realized how important fiber is and how much fiber can influence our regularity. And there's different types of fiber and and how much it can depend on that fiber, whether we're having diarrhea or constipation. And so that's the, the second goal that I had. So the first goal after my aunt died of cancer was to eat the recommended amount of vegetables. Then my second goal was to start paying attention to, to fiber. And so I just tried to get at least eight grams of fiber at like every meal. And that was like a very specific number, but I think I calculated how much fiber I should be eating. Normally it's like 25 grams. And sometimes with spinal cord injuries, they say a little bit less, especially if you have upper motor neuron, neurogenic bowel. Is that how you say it? It's like an upper motor neuron lesion, but it would be neurogenic bowel. Bowel, yeah. So, oh yeah. Okay. So upper motor neuron lesion, but neurogenic bowel. So if you're upper motor neuron, then they say to eat a little bit less fiber because sometimes it can cause too much constipation. So I think I calculated it at like 20 grams of fiber was like the minimum and 25 was what I was trying for. So I was trying to get like eight grams every meal. And that's just all I was doing. Like I wasn't even really paying much attention to like, you know, carbohydrates, proteins, fats, like what all that was. Cause I really didn't know anything about that 
then either. So I just started really small with like these simple goals and started building from there. And then later on, I read about like green smoothies and how beneficial they are for just getting your green vegetables in because I hated vegetables. And so I wanted to get more of those in my system without me having to like eat giant salads. So then I started eating a green smoothie every morning. And it it started out with like as a fruit smoothie with the fiber in it, like chia seeds or flax seeds or whatever. And then it graduated slowly and slowly as I reduced my sugar intake to a complete vegetable smoothie. I don't recommend that. I did that mostly just because I was like obsessed with eating certain amount of vegetables and it didn't really even taste good. But that was my way of just like making sure that I got like 10 servings of fruits and vegetables like in the morning. And then I didn't stress out about it so much for the rest of the day. So I've been on like this crazy journey. And sometimes I've gone a little bit too far, like the eating of a complete vegetable smoothie that I didn't even enjoy. And I've been on the other end of the spectrum where I didn't eat healthy at all. And I ate just so much sugar. So it's been like a a crazy journey. And now I've kind of had to more listen to my body because for years, I would just do what the recommendations were. And I wasn't actually listening to my body. Even though I did fix my bowel routine, I did start going more regularly. I was able to influence my bowel routine with the things I ate, but I still wasn't really in touch with my body. And so that's been sort of like this past five years. The previous five years of me eating healthy was just trying to do what was recommended, what the things said on TV or what, you know, like a health professional would recommend. And this past five years has been really tuning into what matters for my body because, and I tell this to a lot of people, fiber is so important, but I went from eating no fiber basically to eating so much fiber that I couldn't poop without the fiber. And so now I'm really in tune with my own body. And just because there's a recommendation out there, like a number, doesn't mean that that's what's right for my body. So it's taken a while for me to kind of get to that place. It's definitely been a journey and, and a journey without a destination. And people that want to eat healthier or that do want to improve their nutrition, that's the biggest thing that I I think that they need to understand is that there are great guidelines out there. And I can give people guidelines for spinal cord injury too, but there is never going to be like a one guideline that fits for everybody. And so that's been an interesting realization for me just because I actually had to like cut back my fiber in order to maintain my bowel routine because it was, a. I had to think about it a lot when I was like almost addicted to fiber, when my bowel was addicted to fiber. I don't know if that's like a very good word because I don't know if your bowel actually gets addicted to fiber, but it just gets used to having a lot of bulk. And then it doesn't stimulate those nerves in your intestines without having enough stretch. And so I had to kind of slowly reduce my fiber to the point where my bowel would be stimulated without stretching so far because I ate so much fiber before. So yeah, that's sort of like where my nutrition started out of fear. And it's slowly been a journey to love food and be in a place where I'm doing it out of joy instead of fear which I think a lot of people start eating healthy because of fear, because they are scared of some sort of health thing that they have, or they want to lose weight, or they're scared that they're going to get diabetes or something like that. And so it's been interesting to go from fear to, to sort of like the, the joy part of it and enjoy the food and, and the flavors and all that kind of stuff. So that was a long-winded, very long-winded sort of synopsis of my nutrition journey. 
Well, that's why we're here, right? We want to know all the details. We want to know how you changed your life and how everything affected you because you tried everything out on yourself. Yeah. I just want to go back. You said that you were able to fix your bowel routine. And I know we share a lot of information and hopefully this isn't too much information for people or for you to share, but would you mind telling us like what needed to be fixed? Yeah, absolutely. I would try so hard to poop less because pooping is annoying when you're in, when you're in a wheelchair, when you have a spinal cord injury, it's so annoying. It's just gross. It takes so long. And so I would, I called it the bane of my existence, my bowel routine. I hated doing it. And so I would try and do it as little as possible. So I went from doing it every second day to doing it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I thought that was like glorious, um, except that I never felt good. I never felt good at all. I was always bloated. I just didn't feel good. And so I was constipated constantly. And, you know, if you're only pooping three times a week and you're eating so much fiber, now that I know what is going on in my bowel, I'm like, oh, no wonder I was constipated. At first, I wasn't eating enough fiber, so I was constipated. And then I was eating too much fiber and I was still only doing my bowel routine three times a week. So I really wanted to fix the constipation and the bloating, just feeling like full of crap. Like that's like legitimately what I felt like. I always felt like I was full of poop. Like just, I felt like I could never get that relief. And so that, yeah, mostly just constipation. And then once I realized that my body doesn't like to poop three times a week, not very many people's body likes to poop less. Like most people's bodies generally likes to poop more. Like you're just a a daily kind of poop is the thing that your body is accustomed to. And when you stop doing that, a whole bunch of health problems, I think, are created when you just, you don't want to poop. And so I had to go from doing what was convenient for me and my lifestyle to doing what was healthy for my body. And that took a big mindset shift for me to actually do that. And not looking at like pooping as like the bane of my existence because it's just a bodily process, but I hated it so much that I didn't want to do it. And I would just dread doing it in the morning. And so I had to really shift my perception of what it was doing for me and my body and find a way for me to enjoy it, for me to actually want to do it every day. So mostly just the constipation that I was fixing and just feeling yucky all the time because I was constipated. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people would feel the same way that have spinal cord injuries, that your bodily functions that you never, ever thought of before, that you would just do when your brain told you to do it, it's now has become a chore. And it's way more involved, but it's still really important that you're doing it. So I feel yeah. like a lot of people will resonate with that, that it's just super annoying and frustrating. Yeah, and there's not there's not a time that I'm like excited to do my bowel routine. Like I'm never like, yes, I'm so excited to do my bowel routine, but it doesn't, it like, it's neutral to me now. Like it just is a very neutral thing. I get up in the morning, just like my stretches. That is another thing that I, it's a non-negotiable in my life because I spent so many years where my feet couldn't sit on my foot plate properly. And it took me two years to fix that. Now there's just certain things that I'm like, it's not worth the headache that's going to come afterwards for me to have a small you know, instant gratification or like, a you know, me having the convenience of something. So now as soon as I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I do is I take my pills because I still take baclofen and a, a bladder pill. 
And so I take my pills and I sit up and I do stretches for five minutes. And that's all it takes for me to keep my legs stretched out. And then I start right into my bowel routine. And something that I do in order to make my bowel routine more enjoyable is like I use a suppository. So I put my suppository in and then I read for 15 minutes. And that allows me to read so many books, which it's before I didn't, I just got up and brushed my teeth and did all that stuff. And so now having those 15 minutes before I have to get out of bed is actually kind of nice because I look forward to reading the book that I'm reading and wherever I left off, I get to read that in the morning. So it's not actually terrible. And it's because it's such a consistent routine. I know what my morning looks like. And even when I'm sick, like even if I'm really sick, I never, never not do my stretches. Like there's never a time that I wake up and don't do it. Even if I'm like throwing up, which sounds really crazy. But if I can like transfer my out of bed to, into my wheelchair and with that much effort, then I can sit up in bed and stretch my legs. Yeah, I, I think of routine the same way. Very good point. I like that. That's a lot of self-discipline that you have. But it's for your own benefit, right? I feel like a lot of people want that quick fix and they want somebody else to fix them. But we've said this time and time again, it's really up to you and the choices you make that are going to determine how healthy your body is. Yeah. And I think as somebody, like for anybody with a spinal cord injury, that is the number one thing that we still have control over is what we put in our mouth. And that seems like kind of daunting sometimes, but when you think about it, it's actually really empowering to know that you have control over what your body is made of because your body is built by the things that you give it. It's built by the air we breathe, by the food that we eat, and all of the things that our body is made of, all of the proteins and all of the hormones, it's all made by the things that we eat. And I always tell my kids this, I said, imagine if you were building a house and all that the delivery trucks brought for materials was windows. How like good would your house be constructed if it was all out of glass? And I think of that all the time when I'm eating. I need to have like proper nutrition and proper balance of all of the carbohydrates and fats and proteins in order for my body to build the things that are going to make me an actual human being. And it's kind of crazy to think that you're building, like you are building yourself with the things that you eat, but it's completely true. A hundred percent. I love that analogy of building a house because without a proper foundation, you know, no, without a frame, you're not going to be able to maintain just glass on glass. Yeah, exactly. Like I, that's what I tell my daughter, Jamie, all the time. I'm like, if she hasn't eaten vegetables in a couple days, like, cause I try very hard because I got almost obsessed with nutrition I've gotten a little crazy with my kids sometimes about what they're eating. And that's actually really unhealthy because then they're not listening to their own bodies. And so I've had to kind of back off a little bit. But if I notice her not eating vegetables for a couple of days, then, I, then I'm like, you're building your house out of glass, Jamie. And she's always like, oh, like she gets annoyed when I say that. But it's just a, a very like tangible thing to be able to to compare it to because it's completely true. Like you need a whole bunch of different materials to build a house properly, just like your body needs a whole bunch of different materials and nutrients in order to make the things that are actually making you a human. Yeah, what's well, that saying? You are what you eat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you literally are. Just like you say all the time that your body recycles itself. Like it depends. Your gut cells are brand new every two days. Every two days, you have a whole new lining of your gut. That's how fast it recycles inside. Like your skin is different, but everything has its own sort of 
rebuild time where everything is new. And so you're, you're a whole new human every couple of years. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating. And like, I really think the human body is so complex. And it's really cool to see and to learn and understand why things work the way they do. But yeah, it's fun for us to be able to talk to people like you and really get to the nitty gritty of these things. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about inflammation. That's something you mentioned early on. What are your thoughts on inflammation? So because I know from my brother, everybody's body has a different sort of inflammatory response to things. And some people can eat something and it will not cause an inflammatory response at all. And some people can eat something and it will cause a major inflammatory response. So I think nutrition especially, this is something that people should pay attention to. And there are so many things out there telling people what to eat and what's inflammatory and what's not inflammatory. You know, don't eat wheat, don't eat dairy, don't eat you know, lentils don't eat because of the, I can't remember the thing in it, but there's a book that I read that was called the plant paradox. Lectins, that's the word I'm looking for. Plants have lectins in them, which can be inflammatory. And there's like, there's inflammatory things in basically everything. And what we have to do as individuals is actually figure out what's inflammatory for us. Like it really depends. Dairy is extremely inflammatory for my brother. If he eats dairy, immediately he gets acne he gets like just sore throat like he gets so many different symptoms from dairy if i eat dairy i do i get stuffed up i get different you know different symptoms that show me that dairy can be inflammatory to me if i eat it too much it depends on the dairy for sure because some dairy is high fat some is high protein and if i tend to eat high fat dairy i'm more okay than if i eat high protein dairy like if i were to eat cottage cheese that's worse for me than if i'm eating like sour cream or something so everybody has a different response to things i had terrible tendonitis and i've read this book that book the plant paradox that talked about plant lectins so i stopped eating certain plants for a while namely nightshades which are like peppers and potatoes and eggplant all those things. And my tendonitis got so much better. And so those things can be inflammatory. Now I don't really have tendonitis, so I can eat them without it causing more inflammation. But when I had major inflammation in my body, it was increasing my inflammatory response. And so I had to stop eating them for a while. So there's different ways that food can be inflammatory. And sometimes you can eat it. Sometimes you can't. I wouldn't recommend people that already have tendonitis or like chronic pain, I wouldn't recommend them eating foods that are generally inflammatory, but everybody's different and you just have to find out what's what causes inflammation for you. Some people, lucky people, nothing causes inflammation and they can eat whatever they want. Like my husband can eat whatever he wants and doesn't seem to have an inflammatory response to it. But certain people like my brother can eat like a small amount of dairy and suffer for, you know, two weeks with acne. So inflammation is is a really tricky thing. And food is sometimes really healthy for us, but it can also be really unhealthy, even, you know, quote, unquote, healthy foods can cause inflammation. So yeah, I mean, because all of us are so different and all of our bodies react to everything very differently. So like you said, this is a a, everything is a very individual process. And you have to trial and error everything. And again, really listening to your body. I think that's been a big theme of quite a few of our podcast episodes. We said this many, many times is really listening to your body because it's always trying to communicate with you and really figuring out what those messages mean and interpreting them. 
Yes. And I would highly second that. Like your body, if you have pain, it's a message. If you have, you know, like a stomach ache, it's a message. All of those things are just messages. And sometimes it's not a message you're eating something wrong. Like maybe you have pain, it's your posture or whatever it is. It's some sort of message that something is not right because people generally shouldn't have pain all the time. That's not a normal thing. If you have a healthy body, sometimes it could be nutrient deficiencies. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons that your body sends you signals, but the signals mean something. And sometimes it's really frustrating to try and figure that out. Like I was saying before, it's a journey for me without a destination because my body is constantly changing. I've been eating the same way for like five years. And just like two or three months ago, my bowels started like acting differently. And so I'm going, what is going on? So now I'm trying to figure out if I have low stomach acid, and but I'm trying to actually pay attention to my symptoms, like really tune into my symptoms going like, where do I actually have the discomfort? Where is my pain coming from? Do I have like a burning in my stomach? Like I try and really like hone in on the area of my body that's trying to give me the signal and then just decide what I need to do in order to balance or rebalance that part of my body. And I think that people can get caught up in like, this worked for me once, so it's gonna work for me always. And we are literally walking like chemistry experiments. And so we can't expect that just because something worked for us, at one time it's gonna work for us forever. Like I just developed allergies at 35 and I'm like, what, what is that? Like, I don't get it. So your body is constantly changing and we just have to be able to constantly tune in and figure out what's going on with it. Okay, so let's break that down a little bit. Remind us again where you have sensation and to which level. I am a T6. I think I'm more like a T4, but I'm like an odd T6, T4 because I can feel really well inside. Like I have bladder sensation. I don't have bowel sensation, but I have, I seem to have more sensation in that way. And I can feel inside, like I could feel my baby's kick when I was pregnant. I could feel when I was in labor, like the pressure of it and all that stuff. So I have more internal sensation than external sensation, like on my skin and stuff. But I think just generally speaking, I'm T6. That's really interesting because, yeah, I was going to ask you, like you said that you listen to you when you have like a burning in your stomach and you're trying to figure out what that is. But, you know, I'm sure people would want to know if if you can't feel anything, then how do you listen to that? How do you, you know what I mean? How do you know what your body's trying to tell you? I think, and this is kind of gross, but your poop tells you so much about your digestion and about things that are going on, especially with like your stomach and things like that. Like you can tell if you have low stomach acid by looking at your poop and seeing if there's undigested food in it. If your poop is really gravelly, that's a sign of low stomach acid. So you might not be able to feel indigestion or heartburn or things like that higher up, but you can see in your stool signs of things like that happening. So I'm a big fan of feeling my poop and looking at my poop, which if you have a spinal cord injury, isn't weird to you. People that don't have a spinal cord injury, they'll be like, you want me to feel my poop? But anybody that has a spinal cord injury, or at least that does digital simulation, knows that that's a normal thing. So I'm I'm big on that. And then just other symptoms that you might have, because there's, there's other things, especially with digestion and nutrition and things like that, like your skin. Your skin tells you so much. It's like the messenger about what's going on with your digestion. Like if you have itchy skin or dry skin or a whole bunch of stuff 
lots of in lots of ways your your nutrition status shows up in your skin and I think you can vouch for that Bean, because you have your skin is really sensitive yes and I've been dealing with eczema flare-ups for literally almost two years yeah I know I'm having like really really bad eczema flare-ups on my hands especially which is weird because I don't get it like a whole bunch of other places but my hands are really sensitive to soaps, to different types of things. And if I'm not eating properly, then my skin on just on one hand too, like on the back of it, like I get like this one spot, like where I have eczema and it's like so painful. Um, So yeah, your skin is a really good indicator of your nutrition status and your digestion, your mood, your sleep, like how well you're sleeping, all of those things are clues. So if you can't feel your stomach very well, then you have to start tuning in to, to other things. Yeah, and we're going to go into the microbiome and the gut brain yeah. barrier in a lot more detail in, in another episode. Yeah, but yeah, it, your skin is does really tell you a lot of what, what's happening. And I think you just have to be more self aware and really just listen to your body. Because like I said before, it is always trying to tell you messages. But you really have to figure out what that message means to you. And especially if you have some sort of neurologic impairment where those messages aren't as clear anymore. And now you have to interpret them from yeah. something that we don't know. Yeah, I think that it's really hard to be mindful and to tune into your body because we're so used to external we're so used to being like externally stimulated and paying attention to other things and sometimes it it takes a long time to actually tune into your own body body scans are really good tools like just throughout the day going how do i feel right now even if it's like that you just feel irritated or like you know how does your mood or just is that sound bugging me like just doing a body scan is really helpful because a lot of people don't tune into their body at all, like not even a little bit. They don't pay attention to anything other than when it's painful. Like there's so many times that people notice pain, but they don't notice anything else. Like, you know, they don't notice what, say, irritation feels like in their body. Like, does it feel like a vibrating? Does it feel like you're, it's hot? Or does it feel like pressure? Like there's so many different things that you can, you can scan in your body and describe the physical sensations that are happening that it just, yeah. And it takes a while to, to actually do that. Cause I know for me, this mindfulness journey especially has, has been for the, the last five years and it's still really hard for me to tune in sometimes like to even know when I'm full, I have to really pay attention to be like, am I full right now? I don't know. And then I have to like think maybe it's just my pants kind of tight. Like it's really hard to sometimes know that point at which I get full And so if I've been doing this for like five years, really being mindful, somebody that's not ever done this, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take some practice. Yeah, for sure. I know one thing that that you mentioned about people, you know, aren't paying attention to their bodies until they start to feel pain. I have to agree with that for sure. And I think people take for granted when they feel good. Yeah. Right. And this is something that I've had to learn, too, is when I feel good, that's when I really need to start listening to my body and be like, why do you feel so good? What have I been doing that you feel good about? And then enjoying feeling good. Right. Not just like, oh, it's just another day. And then when the pain comes, that's when we focus on that. Yeah, that's a big one, because I think it's easy to take for granted when you feel when you feel good. And so noticing, noticing those times that you feel good and then asking yourself, like you said, what is it that I've been doing differently? Like, is it a, is it a mindset thing? Is it something that I'm eating? 
And sometimes I do that if I like, if I poop really well, I'm like, oh my God, what did I eat for the two days or three days before that? So sometimes it's like been reverse engineering when I've actually had a good bowel routine or a bowel movement going, hey, what did I do differently the days before to notice, you know, how it, how it affected my, my bowels down the line. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so you've talked about pain quite a bit. Is there a way that you can use nutrition for pain management? In the same way that some foods are inflammatory, there are so many foods that are anti-inflammatory. That is a like a giant topic, but just knowing that you can like Google anti-inflammatory foods, some of the big ones are like turmeric. Like that's a really, really popular anti-inflammatory food. In studies, it has been as effective as like non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatories if taken properly. And so it's it's a really big one and it's in lots of like articles and things like that. It's it's a big topic. So I don't want to I don't want to like talk a whole bunch about it, but there's lots of foods that that are anti-inflammatory. Greens, vegetables, lots of things like that. And then with that eating that anti-inflammatory diet, that's how it affects your pain management. Yeah, I would say that it just helps the inflammation in your body. It helps bring that down and then in, in the end helps the pain in that way. There probably is herbs that actually have medicinal properties like that would actually reduce the pain, not just the source of the pain. Like when you eat anti-inflammatory foods, that's kind of getting to the source of the pain. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you wanted something that was actually like you know, medicinal to stop the pain. There's probably lots of herbs and things like that. I haven't done a lot of research in that area because I'm very like, I like the pain almost because it tells me something. So I try not to take my pain away, even if I have a headache or something. I just, I don't take things for it because I'm like, there's a reason that I have a headache. So I try drinking water. I try getting to the source of the pain first. So I'm very big on the anti-inflammatory foods and things like that so that I can kind of stop the source of the pain. But Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bet you if you Googled medicinal herbs for pain, there would be lots of things that would come up that are natural that would work to stop the pain. All right, I think it's important to distinguish there are different types of pain as well. So there is like that physical pain, which is usually caused by some sort of inflammation. You know, if you roll your ankle and it swells up, there's that type of pain. But there's also that neuropathic pain as well. So have you done any research into the nerve pain and nutrition? You know what? This is funny because some things I don't really notice until after a while, but I, I still have pretty bad nerve pain. But my nerve pain was like crazy before, like it was insane before when I, especially when I ate so much sugar and I didn't really notice until a couple years after my spasticity got better too. I was doing like, I am doing stretches, but there's a whole bunch of things that got better after I stopped eating so much sugar. I haven't noticed that there's like any specific foods, like if when I eat them, that they help my nerve pain. But I have noticed that reducing the amount of like refined carbohydrates and like sugar, especially that that has helped. And I didn't even really, it was like one day when I was like, Hey, my nerve pain is better. And my specificity is better. Like that. I actually sat down and like realized that it wasn't driving me crazy anymore. And the first thing that I stopped eating a ton of was sugar. So that's the, that's the only thing that I really noticed, but there aren't specific foods that I would say like when I eat them that my nerve pain calms down or anything. It's just in general, having a a better quality, nutritious diet has has helped a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's more of like that lifestyle change. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think I think it's probably a culmination of things because, you know, I stopped eating processed food. Like I almost never eat processed food other than like a chocolate bar or something I'll have every once in a while. But like I don't eat processed food almost at all. And so that might also have been something that was like a contributor to the to the nerve pain. But yeah, I would say that it's it's more just a general improvement in lifestyle and not just one food. Yeah, I've had to tell a lot of people talk to me and tell me that, you know, when they're having nerve pain flare-ups, the last thing they want to do is be healthy and that's when they want to order pizza or they want to get a cheeseburger and fries and they want to indulge. But like what kind, I mean, it has such a negative effect and it could, I mean, it hasn't been proven, right? But it could make your nerve pain or whatever kind of pain you're feeling worse. And then on top of that, you don't feel good because now you've just eaten all of this junk food and it ties into your mental health as well. I know for me, for sure, anytime I indulge and have something like fast food or whatever, it is that instant gratification that it tastes so good. And then I immediately regret it. And then it has a negative effect on my mental health. And it's just, you know, nutrition plays such a big part in all aspects of your health. I know it's giant. It really is. I always say to myself, uh, especially when I have those times where I'm like, oh, I just want to eat this junk food. And don't get me wrong. Like there's, I'm not perfect. There's, you know, I don't never eat that stuff. I had a chocolate bar yesterday, but it's way less than it was before. Like I might have a chocolate bar once a month with my kids or something or an ice cream cone, but it's more like I do it more for connection now than because I just want the taste. But I always tell myself if I'm like having a weak moment, like I always think about the times that I have wanted that, but then I've chosen to eat something healthy. There's never been one time ever in my life where I've regretted eating something healthy. But every single time I've eaten something that's like really crappy and I know isn't good for me, I regret it almost every single time. Unless it's part of like, a connection thing because I I do find because I went too far the other way where I would never eat any of that, you know, quote unquote, fun food or unhealthy food. So I wouldn't eat at family reunions. I wouldn't eat when I went to my grandma's house. Like it was just it got to a point where it wasn't healthy anymore. And so if it's for connection, and something I'm doing with my kids, or, you know, something fun that way, then I never, I never miss out. I always indulge and I never regret it then. But if it's just like me sitting by myself eating a chocolate bar, then I've always regretted that. So I try to tell myself that like, when is, when have I ever regretted eating something healthy? Never. And that will like never happen. Never going to eat a salad and be like, oh man, why did I just eat that salad? Yeah. It's all about mindset, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, I know one thing for my nerve pain while we're just on this, the biggest thing for me is movement because I feel like your brain can't, it can't do two things at once. It can't be like stimulating those brain centers that are causing the nerve pain and also stimulating the other parts of you while you're exercising. Like I, I just, at least for me, that's how I justify it. So anytime I have like severe nerve pain, I'll actually exercise because the more I move, I feel like maybe it's like that that whole like where if you touch it enough, it it loses its sensation or something. But the more I move, the less my nerve pain is. Yeah, that's a great distraction technique. And I feel like that's what a lot of people have said about their nerve pain is they 
don't really, there's nothing that actually takes it away, but distracting yourself and not thinking about it will definitely like lessen. Yeah, exactly. And there's never a time that like I have nerve pain. Like if I have nerve pain in the morning, I get called to work, I go like, cause I'm busy and then I don't think about it. Right. So I think distraction is, uh, is a really good tool. Exercising is great for that too. So good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's go back to when we were talking about turmeric. And uh, so you told me something like, well, I think this was a couple of months ago now, about having too much herbal stuff. Oh, yeah, this is, yes. So there are so many great things in food that are medicinal. And there are so many great herbs out there that are medicinal, but you can go too far. Like I... I'm not like totally against pharmaceuticals. Clearly I take baclofen and I take my bladder med, but I just don't, don't really like pharmaceutical medicine. And so I try very hard to like replace everything with like a, a, a herbal version of it. Even sometimes just for like pleasure things. Like I was drinking licorice tea, which is very medicinal and very good for colds. I researched when COVID started, what was good for respiratory illnesses and licorice tea was one of them. And it is very medicinal and very helpful when you have a respiratory illness, but I was drinking it like every day. And there's something in licorice tea that causes you to retain sodium and it reduces your potassium levels. And so it really messes up your fluid balance in your body and your electrolyte balance. And so my blood pressure went really high. I couldn't figure out what it was. And if I hadn't caught it and done my own research, because no doctors could figure it out, they were like, ah, I don't know why your blood pressure is so high. Like it was like 160 over 90, sometimes 165 over 100. And they were all like, ah, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. And so I did my own research and found out that it was actually the licorice tea. And if I hadn't stopped it, it could legitimately have like killed me. It could have caused congestive heart failure. And so as soon as I stopped drinking it, my blood pressure went down and now I'm fine. And I can drink licorice tea every couple of weeks without it hurting me. So there's certain herbs that are very medicinal. I think you could probably eat turmeric every day without it being harmful. I haven't heard of any like anything wrong with that, but definitely do your research before you just start jumping into the natural health world, especially if you're going to use herbs and foods as medicine, because there's been times that I've done things that were counterproductive to my health. Recently, I did the same thing with peppermint tea because I love peppermint tea and it's very good for digestive issues. But if you drink too much of it, it can relax your stomach too much and cause heartburn because then all of your all of the sphincters are relaxed and it's just sloshing up into your esophagus and stuff. So I was doing that recently too and had to realize that that was causing my heartburn. So so big lesson in moderation here, which I think everybody can relate to on some aspect of their life. But yeah, moderation is so important in everything and especially with herbal things that can also interact with any medications that you're on so definitely talk to somebody a naturopath or a doctor or do your own research before taking some of these herbal supplements yeah totally there's herbalists that are they're specifically trained to know all of the different natural plants and their medicinal properties so i would find a good herbalist i have one that i use and she's amazing she's so good um she's local in edmonton so if anybody's interested, I can give you the I can give you her contact information if you want to put it in the show notes. But yeah, find a find a naturopath or find a herbalist, especially if you're interested in herbal medicine, because an herbalist will know more than a naturopath. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks for that information. 
I'm just going to interject here. So, Brittany, you you mentioned do your own research several times. So a lot of people are going to go online. So what do you need to be wary of and what do you want to look for when you're looking for nutrition information online? I am very, like, if it's, like, some sort of a fad diet or somebody says, like, lose weight super easily, lose weight fast, any of those big things, you know, melt fat away, don't even read it. Because chances are that's not healthy. Chances are that even if you did lose weight or whatever your health issue is, you can't resolve it usually in like a drastic time frame, just in my experience. And I don't think those promises, they set people up for failure. So anything that says something like that, I totally steer away from. And I'm very big on like the science of it. So I'll read an article. If they have links to studies, go read the study because it's very easy to take something out of a study and put it in the context of whatever your article is, but it's totally not even what the study was about. And there have been so many times that I've been reading nutrition articles and they have links at the bottom of the article almost always, or they have links in the actual text where the where they're referencing the the information they'll just have a a short little link with a number or something with a hyperlink so i always click on those and go actually read the 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 research and sometimes you know even if you can't understand the research completely it's better to go and see what the study was about and what the the authors of the study were actually trying to study and what they found than trying to see what somebody else you know was trying to, to, to manipulate with the study. And there's a lot of that on the internet. So I'm very like sciencey. So I like to do that kind of stuff. And I highly recommend people do it even a few times, just checking the references of the articles, just to make sure that they're even valid. Cause sometimes the links don't even go anywhere. Cause it might look good to have a bunch of references in your article, but they might be outdated. They might not even go anywhere. They might just be referencing other websites. Like there's so many nutrition articles that just reference other articles on the internet and they don't have any studies of their own or they didn't actually go to the research on themselves. So there's a lot of that on the internet too. So that's something to be wary of. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of false information out there. Oh, so many. Yeah, it's definitely something people should be wary of. And so for you yourself, now you've taken a bunch of courses over the last few months. Mm -hmm. And so what is your title now? What are you certified in? And what are you able to offer people? I am a certified health and wellness consultant. That was the first certification that I took. I do have a bachelor's degree, though. It's in education, but it is in biology and chemistry. So I do have I do have like a, a university degree, just in case that matters to some people. But yeah, so I'm, I'm a certified health and wellness consultant. And then I'm taking three other, three other certifications, one in weight management, one in holistic nutrition, and one in sports nutrition. So I'll get certified in those shortly. Right now, I'm only working with people with spinal cord injuries or neurological conditions, just because I think there's a, a, there's a lot of help out there for people without those conditions. And they don't have the same kinds of things to worry about. Bowel is a very important topic for me. And I know just because my brother had Crohn's disease and I had to fix my own bowel routine, how much people can struggle with that. I'm also very interested in weight management with a spinal cord injury because we have different metabolic issues that 
have been affected because of our spinal cord injuries. So I'm really interested in that. Yeah, I'm just taking right now one-on-one clients and trying to help them with either weight management or bowel issues, those kinds of things. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you for doing this. You're such a passionate person. And honestly, you know so much more about nutrition. I'm just so happy that you're now packaging your services and making it available for the people who really need it. So good job. And I guess like, where can they find you? How can they contact you? They can contact me through email at empoweredpara at gmail.com. They can find me on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook all under the Empowered Para name. And yeah, just email is the best. That way, usually I can, they can give me sort of a, a little rundown of what their issue is and I can have something in writing just because if I get a voicemail, I'm not listening to it. I'm so bad with voicemail. I'm always like, who does that anymore? Text me or something. The same Um, people who fax. I know, right? It's so crazy. But yeah, I like email. It's um, it's how people can contact me. Okay, cool. So yeah, we will put add your email into the description of this podcast episode. So if you are interested in learning about your nutrition journey, definitely hit up Brittany. She is very, very knowledgeable, as you have heard in this episode and the further ones coming as well, where we dive deep into more of eating for weight management, eating for a healthy bowel and a healthy bladder. These are huge topics in the spinal cord injury world. And uh, we can't wait to hear all of the information that you're going to share with us. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. No problem. Thank you for joining us again, and we'll see you soon. Okay, see ya. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as this helps us increase our reach. And stay tuned for another episode coming at you in two weeks.